Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Centre podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. This month, we've been looking at you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so tonight, I'd like it if everyone could please turn to Psalm 23 with me. And I'm going to preach today from Psalm 23. I'm going to read it out. And the words are these. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Everyone knows this Bible verse. You see it on TV. We hear it when you're watching a, um, a movie and they're having a funeral. They always read out of that Bible verse there about, as I walk through the shadow of the valley of death. And it sounds real sad. But I actually think this Bible verse is a great Bible verse because it reveals to us who God is. It gives us a glimpse of who He is. And as we read Psalm 23, you, you see David has a revelation of who his God is. Because David was a shepherd. And he understood shepherds. He looked after the sheep. And he never really stopped being a shepherd. At one time he was looking after sheep, and then he became the king of Israel. And he transitioned from looking after sheep and being a shepherd of sheep to being a shepherd of people. So he got shepherds. He understood what they were. And you see, David lived a great life, an amazing life. He did amazing things for God. Yes, there were things in his life where he made mistakes, but he did some great things as well. And I believe that if we're going to be set free, the key to being set free, the key to living an extraordinary life, the difference between living living mediocrity and doing something amazing for God, the difference is how we see God. So I'd like to just go through all those Bible verses, just all those verses tonight. We'll see how many we can get in. We might run out of time, but we're going to go through there. And I'm just going to unpack it a little bit to just show you who God is and what sort of shepherd he really is. And the first part of it is this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Psalm 23, 1. God's a dad. And he doesn't want us to lack anything. He wants to give us stuff. I remember as I grew up in church and even when I became a Christian, you used to hear people say things like, God will give you what you need, but He won't give you what you want. I remember hearing, I think, man, 
gee, that's pretty cool. But as I've got to know God a bit better and over my time as I've matured, I don't believe that. I actually think that's a religious mindset. I believe we serve a God that loves us because fathers that love, one of the ways they show love is by giving us stuff we want, not just the stuff we need. Imagine having a dad at Christmas time and, and you, you get really excited and you, you, you wake up at four in the morning or maybe that was just me and I'd race out to the tree and I'd sit there. I wasn't allowed to wake dad up till seven. So I'd sit there for three hours just looking at my presence. Look at the clock. Look at my presence. Go, man, I wonder what that is. Hope that's a PlayStation. Hope that's uh, one day. One time I won an international cricket. Who's ever seen that game? You know, it's that game where you put the felt on the on the table and it's got little cricket men that you actually move in your bowl. Who knows that game? I wanted that. Not many people. All right. So, te- is that called test match? Oh, sorry, test match. And I wanted that. That's all I wanted for Christmas. I got it. I played it for five minutes. I said that is such a waste of time. I wanted that for months. It's so boring. But imagine a dad who at Christmas time and your birthdays only gave you what you need. There's some undies. There's a shirt. Imagine a husband who gave you a mop bucket for Christmas. Or a vac. You got a vacuum cleaner from Dylan. And a knife set. All right. I have to talk to Dylan about that. No. But dads aren't like that, are they? They give us things we want. And that's how God is. What do you want in your life? I know, for me, Renee and I wanted a son. Now, I didn't need a son. We were trying really hard to have kids, and it was really, you know, it was going really hard. Things weren't working out like we'd hoped. Son or daughter, I wouldn't have cared without a boy or girl. But I... Went in my room one day and I said, God, give me a dad. No, give me a son. Give me a daughter. Give me a, give me a kid so that I know what it's like to be a dad. And God gave it to me. He gave me something not that I needed, but something I wanted. Because he's loving. He cares for us. Another time when I was a youth pastor back in Ingham, we, we, were, we were building a great youth group. But we only had leaders who were under 18. And I remember going to God and saying, God... I need young adults. People under 18 are great, but how can we disciple, how can we build up these young people without some young adults? And I remember I just read Psalm 18.1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I said, God, I thank you that you've said that you are my shepherd and I shall not want, which means I won't want for leaders. I won't want for the finances we need. I won't want for I just kept listing those things. I thank you, God, that you're a good shepherd. I won't want. I remember God said to me, I'll give you two leaders. And within about three months, I had two young adult leaders. And our youth group really took off after that. Because God's a God that gives us what we want. He's a great God. You and I can be confident that we serve a God that gives us what we want. Abraham was the same. I love the story of Abraham. God gives him all these promises. He says, hey, I'm going to give you this land. It's going to be really great. You, and and it's, going to, it's just going to be amazing. And you're going to have a whole lot of possessions. It's going to be great. And one day Abraham says to God, God, yeah, that's all great. That's amazing. 
But what's it all matter if I don't have a son? He didn't need a son, but he wanted one. What are the things you want in your life right now? And it might not be kids. It, it, it could be other things. Maybe you want your children to come to know God. Maybe you want breakthrough in an area. Maybe there's something you want really, really bad, and you've been hanging out for, for a long time. And, and maybe with our religious mindsets, we thought, you know, I can't ask God for that because that's a want, not a need. And that actually keeps us trapped and bound up and stops us from being everything God's called us to be because we live our life in this, in this sort of, in this place where we're not actually expanding ourselves and we're not growing and we're not experiencing the amazing love of God in our life because we're not asking for the things we want. We're only going, oh, I only deserve the things I need. Let's be, let's be children of God that say, God, I want more. I want more than I've got right now. Number two. He positions us to prosper. Psalm 23, 2 says this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. 23, verse 2. It's a great picture. A shepherd leads the sheep to green grass, not to dead grass, not to, not to desert, not to sand. He, he leads us somewhere where they're going to prosper, where they're going to grow, where they can eat, where they can get fat because we want to take their wool, but they probably also want to eat them. They want to have plenty of meat on those sheep, but it's the same with us. God wants to lead us to places where we prosper. That's the sort of God he is. Sometimes in our life, we get to these places in these seasons in our life where there's struggle and things are hard and maybe things have, maybe we've lost things and we think maybe this is what my life's going to be for the rest of my life. Maybe I'm called, maybe I'm just going to struggle every day for the rest of my life. Maybe this, this thing that's hanging over my life, that's going to be the thing that I have to go through every day. But I think that's a lie from the devil. The truth is God wants to lead you into places of prosperity. God wants to grow you. He wants to build you. He wants to enhance you. He wants to change you. He wants to lead you to great places. I've experienced that in my life. I remember when I first left home. Now, it's really good when a son or a daughter leaves home in a nice way, but I didn't. There may have been swear words exchanged. I remember I walked out the door, and as I'm, and I was a Christian, okay? At that time, I just got saved not too far ago, but there's still, I still swore at times, and I was walking along to my friend's place. He smoked drugs, and he did some things he shouldn't have been doing, and I remember walking there. My plan was I was going to go and stay at his house, and then I was just going to get a train or a bus, and I was going to go and stay with my cousins in Longreach, which, if, if you know, my cousins, it, it may have not been the best idea for me as a guy who had just got saved. So I'm walking to my friend's house and I hear God speak to me for one of the first times in my life. He says, don't go there, go to your uncle's house. I had a choice to make in this moment. I could go to my friend's place, which would have been fun. Or I could go to my uncle's place who I hardly really knew. I said, okay, God, I'll go there. And I remember walking over to his house, knocking on the door. He was really amazed that I was even there. And he said, what's up? I said, I've left home. Can I stay here for a while? He said, yeah, okay. 
come and stay here. At this stage, I'd never been to church in years. And, and I, I really, I, I felt God wanted me to go to church, but my dad wouldn't let me go. And in this moment, I'm staying with him. He says, why don't you come to church with me on Sunday? I went to church, and really the rest is history. See, I had a choice right here. And God wanted to lead me to a place of where I would prosper. I could have gone over here. And who knows where my, my life could have ended up. Yes, I probably would have got on there, back on the right track, but it may have taken longer. But God said, hey, I know what's best for you. Because he's a good shepherd. And he knows what's best for us. And he wants to lead us in what's best for us. He wants to take us to those places where we can do well. We've just got to be obedient. Another time, I was living in Ingham and we were doing really well. And God said to me, Jason, your time's up in your time's up as a chaplain, which was sad because I loved being a chaplain. I was basically a full-time PE student. If you know me, I love sport. That's how I, I used PE to connect with young people in that lunch times. I talked to them about their problems. and it was such. I had so many good friends. And I remember God said, it's time for you to leave there and it's time for you to leave Ingham and it's time to go to Bowen. And it was a hard move to make. That change from Ingham to Bowen. And when I got here, I remember coming here and I was like a big deal in Ingham. That might sound arrogant, but I was like a big deal in Ingham. Everyone knew me. Hey, JV. Hey, JV. How you doing? The parents had come up to me and they talked to me about stuff. That, that, they were, they'd come up and tell me about their kids' issues and stuff like that. I, I, I had influence in my community. I came here. Nobody knows me except for family. But I still had to build integrity and credibility with them as well. But I've got to be honest with you. I've grown more being here than at any time when I was in Ingham. Because I allowed God to lead me to a new place, to somewhere different, and do something new. I could have stayed there and enjoyed life. Things would have been great. But I came here and I grew. And I just want to encourage you. I have never, ever been, I've never, ever not grown or my life's never changed or gotten any better by ignoring what God's told me to do. My life's always got better when I've said yes to what God wants me to do. I've always prospered. Let's decide. Let's be people who say, God, Lead me beside, lead me to green pastures, lead me beside still waters, and let him do something in our lives. Number three, giver of peace. Psalm 23, 2, that last part of that verse, he makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me besides still waters. Great picture of still waters. When you have a look at paintings and you see still water, or you go down the beach at Bowen, sometimes, rarely at the moment, when the water's really still. And you just get a feeling of peace, don't you, when you're down there? Just a sense of serenity and, man, this is so nice. And that's what 
That's the picture I think that this Bible verse is trying to get across, is that God leads us to peace. He's a God that leads us towards peace. The Bible says that the peace of God transcends all understanding. In other words, what that Bible verse is saying right there is no matter what you're going through right now, no matter how hard things get, no matter what God asks you to do, when He asks you to take a step of faith and it seems too big for you and you feel stressed and things are hard, but you say, you know what, God's told me to do this, I'm going to do it. In that moment, you can trust God that God will place peace on your life, that God will lead you into peace. I remember when I was working at Community Solutions here and I was doing the employment job. And I hated it. It was so hard. I had people coming in, having a go at me, wanting to fight me. When I, I'd done nothing to them, all I did was do my job. They were the ones not doing what they were supposed to do. And they'd get so angry and upset at me. I'd go, man, why am I even doing this job? I'd wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, not being able to go back to sleep because my mind would just be racing. I've got to go back to work tomorrow. But when I pressed into God, I found peace. And he wants to give us peace. And he's a God of peace. Tonight, God wants to give you peace, whatever you're going through. That's who he is. He's a great God. He's a loving God. Before I was saved, my life was, I, I, I thought it was hard. I couldn't find rest. When I was up during the day, I was racing around. My mind was racing. I would run, because I couldn't sleep at night, I would run for, from, for about 5Ks on the beach every day. I'd play sport all afternoon, just trying to get tired so that when I went to bed at night, I'd go to sleep. And, and when I went to bed, it'd still take me three or four hours to finally fall asleep because my mind was racing. It was all because of anxiety. But when I got saved, when I had an encounter with God, I found peace. And that's the cool thing about God is that in Him we find peace. See the story of Jesus when He's in the boat. He's asleep in the back. And the disciples are there, and the Bible says there's this huge storm, and it was getting so bad that it looked like the boat was going to break up. The waves were coming over. The wind was blowing so hard. When I think about that story, man, that place must have been rough because all, most of those guys on that boat were fishermen. They were used to being on that lake. They would have been used to rough weather. But in that moment, they were scared and thought they were going to die. They go to Jesus and they wake him up. Say, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? Jesus gets up. He, he gets up. He says, ye of little faith, walks up to the front of the boat and says, peace, be still. Sometimes in our life, we can feel like Jesus doesn't care that we're about to die. We feel like we're going to die. We say, Jesus, don't you care? But the great promise is if we just wake him up, he'll speak to the storm in our life. He'll give us authority over the storms in our life so that peace can come in. I love God. One of the reasons is he gives me peace. The next thing is this. He restores us. Psalm 23.3 says this. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. All I ever wanted to be was a pastor. I was walking down the road. asked God one day when I just started going to church. heard this pastor speak about 
that weekend before. He said, hey, ask God what he wants you to do with your life. Walking down the street, he said, God, what do you want me to be? He said, I want you to be a pastor. That's all I ever wanted from that moment on. I remember I got to be the youth pastor in my church. It was so exciting, but I had no idea what I was doing. It was, the job was way too big for me. And I kept making mistakes. And whenever I made that mistake, I'd lie. My pastor would say, have you been doing this? I'd say, yep. Reality was I hadn't done it. Have you been doing your Bible college? No, I, yes, I have. No, I wasn't. And I remember when God spoke, he said, you've got to go and tell your pastor about that. And I, I remember going in and seeing him. I said, look, tears running down my face. I've been lying to you. I haven't been doing my Bible college like I said I was. And I got the sack, basically. I didn't get to be the youth pastor. And I remember I allowed that to control my life for so long. I was so miserable, so down. I was hurting. I felt disqualified. I, I remember I'd sit there and go, why am I even going to go to church this week? There's no point. My dream is broken. I've stuffed it all up. And then I remember one day I was in my room and I, was, I decided I'll worship God and I started listening to music. And I, I remember God, I, God didn't actually speak to me, but I just felt his presence in the room. And there's something lifted off my life. And I felt God in that moment restored the dream in my heart. Because God, when we make mistakes, God's not a God that writes us off. When, when we stuff up, when we don't meet expectations of other people or, or even the expectations God has for us, when we don't meet those things, God doesn't say, you're gone. You're out. Don't bother coming back. I'll get someone else to do that job for me. And I can back that up from the Bible. If you have a look at Peter, Peter was the guy who said to Jesus, you know what? Even if everybody else deserts you, I'm going to die for you. And Jesus turns to him and says to him, before the, crow, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And he did just that. But Jesus doesn't write him off. Story goes, just before he goes up into heaven, Jesus restores him and says, Peter, feed my lambs. Because that's what Jesus does. He restores people. If you have a look, God in Exodus goes to Moses, a guy that killed someone. And he says to him, hey, I'm going to use you to go and rescue my people. Nothing we could do, nothing we've done can disqualify us from God using us. He restores us. That's his heart. You could think, that, that thing I've done, God could never forgive me. God could never use me because I'm this, because I'm that, because I've done this. But God says, no, I restore everyone. I want to restore you. I want to put that dream back in your life. Let me read your Bible verse from Luke chapter 4, 18. It says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me. And this is Jesus speaking. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. No matter what you've been through, maybe you're abused, maybe you've, your marriage is broken down, maybe your business has fallen through, whatever it is, God wants to heal you and restore you. He wants to heal your heart. He wants to fix it up and save you. Allow God to restore you. 
because he wants to keep using you to do amazing things. The next one is this. God who is always with us. Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David went through a lot in his life. And for me, David is the guy in the Bible that inspires me the most. David, when it was time to anoint the next king, Samuel came to his house and he said to his dad, Jesse, he said, Jesse, get all your, dad, get all your sons in here and I'm going to pick the next king. So Jesse gets every son in the house except for David. Even his own dad overlooked David and missed, and missed the call that was on his life. Yet God didn't miss it. David, when he, when he was finally noticed, when he was brought into Saul's service, Saul, who was the king, got jealous of David. He was scared and he became insecure and thought, this guy is going to take my kingdom. He's going to become the next king. So he decided, I've got to kill him. So, he was try- so Saul tried to kill him for doing nothing wrong. He'd done nothing wrong. So David had to run away and go and live in the wilderness for, the, for a massive amount of his life. Then when he becomes king, later on his own son tries to kill him and take over the, over the throne. He had to run away from him. But in all of this, in his heart, he knew, no matter what I go through, you're always with me. As I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Tonight, We serve a God that's always with us no matter what we go through. No matter who you are, no matter what's going on in your life, God's right there in the middle of it. Because He loves you. He cares for you. I shared earlier about in my life when I used to have trouble sleeping at night. And there's some nights when I have a restless night and I don't sleep too well. It's rare these days. I'm pretty good. I could go to sleep on this carpet right now. That's how cool God's blessed me. I could just lie down here. Probably with you sitting there, I could go to sleep. That's how much God's blessed me. Which is you really go to sleep. But there are still some nights when I have trouble sleeping. And, and then fear starts to try to come in and go, it started again. It's back. This is what it's going to be like. Satan comes in and says, fear's back. And I have to remind us sometimes, you know what? God's never left me. God hasn't changed. God's still the same as he was yesterday. God's rescued me. And when fear comes in, I say, you know what, God? No matter what, you're here. I believe that. And I want to encourage you today, no matter what you go through, no matter where you find yourself, Jesus will never leave you, nor forsake you. Could you imagine being in David's place when he fights Goliath? I think it'd be pretty scary. It'd be a scary moment. Goliath's this huge guy. Bible says he's about nine foot something. So that means his head's almost touching the basketball hoop. And he's not like a skinny guy, like a Kembe Mutombo. Does anyone know who Kembe Mutombo is? No. He's solid like Shaquille O'Neal. He's huge. And 
He's got massive armor on and he's got massive weapons. And David just walks out there with his normal clothes, probably a sheepskin and a slingshot. On one side, you've got Israel's army and they're yelling out and they're shouting out. And then you've got the Philistines on one side and they're yelling out and they're going to have this fight. And the loser, that army and those people are going to be the slaves of the others. David's never fought a giant before. He's fought bears, he's fought lions, but he's never fought a giant. But he knew that in my previous circumstance, when I fought that bear, when I fought that lion, you were there. God, when when my brothers were all caught into a room because Samuel was looking for the next king and I missed out, You were still there looking out for me. In that moment, in those moments that were hard and and there were dark moments, when I felt like I was overlooked, you were there. So as I go to fight this giant God, I know you're here as well. And that's what we can do in our life. When I fought this thing in my life, you were there. Now that I've got this trouble going on in my life, God, you were there, you were there, you were there in that moment, you were there in that moment, so I know you're going to be here in this moment. What an awesome God that we can have trust in Him that no matter what we go through, no matter how hard marriages get, no matter how hard businesses get, no matter how hard anything goes on in our life, maybe we lose someone dear to us, no matter what it is, God is in the midst of that moment with you still. See, that's why it's so important that we get to know who God is. Because if we don't know that, the minute we go into hardships in our life, the minute things get hard and it feels like God's not there, because I don't know about you, but when I have some hardships, it feels like God's not there. If we don't know who He is, we'll get stuck in that moment. And we'll never step forward in everything God's got for us. Let's get to know who God is so we can always be free. Two more to go. We serve a God who thinks we are special. 23.5 says this, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Our shepherd's got a plan for our life. We weren't created by accident. Bible says, God speaking, he says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. We weren't created by accident. God put us on this planet for a reason, and it's a special reason. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. The word anointed. People were anointed. David, when he was anointed, he was set apart for a special purpose. You and I have been set apart for a special purpose that only you can fulfill, that only you can do. Because he put all these gifts and he grabbed all these talents and he grabbed this personality and he wrapped it all in one flesh and he called it Cal and he, or Helena or he called it Jimmy or he called it 
bow. And he wrapped them together and said, this is someone special who I love. And that's what I think he means when it said, before I formed you in my mother's womb, I knew you. Because, because he thought about you so much. You're going to look like this. You're going to talk like that. She's going to enjoy this. He's just been, and he's got, man, this is so exciting. I can't wait to meet this person. You're a special person. The world, because it hit, beats you down and things go on, sometimes we can actually believe that that's not true. Because someone said that over our life. You're just this, or you're an idiot, or you're hopeless. And we start to believe those words instead of God's word that says you're special and set apart. Origin time's coming up. My favorite time of the year. It's like Christmas for me. The night before origins like Christmas Eve. Can't wait. The day of, I think we shouldn't have to go to school. It should be a public holiday, not school, work. It should be a public holiday. But I love being a Queens. I was talking to my friend just this week and, and I was, he, he was washing my car to raise money and we were sitting around talking and I said to him, I said, I'm so glad I'm born in Queensland and not New South Wales. I could not stand it. He said, he said, but I'm from New South Wales, and I think the same thing. He said, yeah, that's true, but I couldn't have sat through eight straight series losses. I actually would have stopped, and I didn't say this to him, but I actually would have stopped watching football. See, at that time, it was like winning was in our DNA. We couldn't lose. And the cool thing about with God is the fact that because Jesus died on the cross and rose again, we're winners and we can't lose. We're special and we're set apart. We're anointed. And that's what the anointing does for our life. It, it causes us to be winners. It causes us to be victorious. One of the cool things about my son is that God gave me a promise about what he'd be when he grows up. And whenever I think about it, I get emotional. And... Uh, because it's special to me. And, and, and sort of part of me goes, God, what a privilege that you'd trust me with that, to raise that. And it's the same as that's how God sees you as a dad. He thinks it's such a privilege to be able to raise you with the special thing that's on your life with the promises that are on your life. Get to know God. It'll set you free. It'll set the way you think about yourself. It'll set you free about the way you think about your future and what He's called you to do if you just get to know the shepherd of Psalm 23. And the last one is this. We serve a good God. We serve a shepherd that's good. Psalm 22, man, I do need glasses because I am struggling to see that. Oh, that's why I've got three plus. All right. I still do need glasses though. It says, I was going to, I brought my iPad because I was going to preach from my iPad, but I, I tell young people not to do that in case it breaks down. So I thought I can't do that. That wouldn't be right. It says, but I, I will one day. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Satan, one of the tools he uses is to try and deceive us into thinking God's an angry, mean, uncaring, distant God. That God's this God of rules. When I talk to young people at school, those that did believe in Him, they thought God was just this God of rules. He just wanted to spoil my fun. But God's a good God. He's a loving God. He's a caring God. And the way you know it is when you read the Gospels and you see Jesus. Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And when you see that, Jesus was always loving on people, caring for people, restoring people, healing one of the greatest stories is the woman caught in adultery. You see God's kindness right there. They come, they throw this lady in front of Jesus and says, they say, teacher, what should we do? What, what should be done to her? The law says that she should be stoned. The Bible says Jesus just knelt down and started writing in the dirt. And then he said, he that is without sin cast the first stone. As he's writing in the dirt, People just slowly start disappearing until there's nobody left. Jesus gets up and says to the girl, where are your condemners? Has no one condemned you? Where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? And she says, no. She says, he says, then neither do I. Go and sin no more. We serve a God that doesn't condemn. He loves. He's good. If I could get the band up on stage, please. See, Jesus, he cries when he hears about Lazarus is dead. He cared about people. It hurt him that someone he loved had died. God loves you. He loves me so much. I know in my life, I saw God as a mean God. I believed in him, but I thought he was mean. I thought, you know what, if there's a God out there that loves us, why is there suffering in our world? But I believe the Bible says, when Jesus teaches them how to pray, He says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. See, it's God's will that earth would be like heaven. That we would go out and help people and, and help them be delivered from their suffering and their hurt. Because He's a good God. He's a caring God. He loves us so much. I'd like to share a story with you as we finish up tonight. And it's a pretty cool story. that They, they were holding this event, and it was a Christian event. And they decided that at this event, they were going to read Psalm 23. So they hired this great poet. And they said, look, it was well-known. He was very good at reading poetry. He spent his life and he was paid to get up in front of audiences and read poetry. They rang him and said, we want you to read Psalm 23 at our event. And it's on in three months' time. We want you to practice it. And when you get up, we want you to read it. So this poet got Psalm 23. He opened his Bible. And he read it over 
and over and over again until he knew it off by heart. He got up on the day, and as he opens up Psalm 23, he started to read it, and, he, and as he reads it, he pauses in the right spots. He stops for dramatic pause when he's needed. His voice goes up and down when it needs to to create the atmosphere in the room. He does such an amazing job. He finishes Psalm 23. He closes up his Bible. The crowd stands up and gives him a clap. There's an old preacher in the audience. And that also organized for him to get up and read Psalm 23 as well. He comes up. It's his turn to read it. He walks up to the platform. The guy's in his 80s and he starts to read it out. As he's reading it, his voice starts to crack and break. He has to stop in parts because he starts to get emotional as he's reading Psalm 23. When he gets to the end, he closes up the book. He looks up and the people in the audience are crying with, their, with tears going down their, down their cheeks. At the end of the, the event, some people come up to the poet and they say, what do you think was the difference between your rendition of Psalm 23 and the old preacher? And he says this, he says, I knew the verse, but he knew the shepherd. The thing that changes everything in our life is not that we know the Bible, not that we get, live a good life. The thing that brings about breakthrough in our life and healing and restoration the thing that sets us up to live a life of victory isn't how well we know the Bible, but it's how well we know the shepherd. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.